Hello and welcome to episode 145 of the NFL Scotland podcast, the 2021, the 2021, the 2021 draft, however you want to say it up on the stage, you can do it whichever way you want. It's done and dusted. My name is Cameron Hobbs. Uh, my name is Paul Mitchell. It's amazing how a year can be pronounced in so many different ways, most of them wrong, and most people forgetting to actually say the position and where the person came from. We'll, though, have all the full details of the NFL draft, who's done well, who's done badly, and who might have a quarterback that might be slightly annoyed with things. <laughs> and on that, we're joined by two of the regular NFL Scotland team members who are with us a lot. Uh, and we're going to get, never mind how many different ways that a year can be pronounced. Between the four of us, there's some of these names are going to get pronounced four different ways as well. <laughs> so do judge us and let us know who does best. But Charles Patterson, Gordon McGuinness, pleasure having you with us, gents. Glad to be here, especially for episode 145 if you look at super bowl 45 that was a super bowl that was won by the green bay packers and mvp aaron Rodgers. uh so let's kick off with the cheese elephant in the room um and (laughs) (laughs) oh we should be doing this as as a video podcast charles (laughs) charles just looks like you know he's got the glass of wine you know, he just looks like the serial killer just before he goes out for the evening. He's not happy with his boys. Oh, the contempt in I mean... his face, contempt. <laughs> Is that wine tasting a little bit sour, hey, Charles? No, it's very nice, thank you. <laughs> right, uh, you've got the floor. What's very going... nice Viognier. What's going um, on in Green this is not, Bay? Incidentally, can I just... Um, put this on record now this is not a pished cast like we had at christmas yet although i was tempted (laughs) does your wine go with cheese the wine does go with cheese there we go see a man of great taste i wouldn't buy a wine if it didn't go with cheese um depending on what flavor of cheese you'd like and it's a pretty salty one this evening oh well let's let's start there mr patterson what's going on in green bay well I think that there are a number of different ways you could look at this, depending on whether or not you believe Aaron Rodgers is a reputable human being or not. I think it's the first first way to look at it. But in all seriousness, if this was any other franchise, I don't think we'd be in this position. So most of our viewers will be well, our listeners, I should say, will be well aware of it. But Green Bay are unique. They don't have an owner. They have a, a democracy that is involved in running the, the last small town franchise in the NFL. In fact, the last small town franchise in American sport. And I think if Green Bay had an owner rather than a bunch of shareholders who own more than 4%, then I think the owner would be able to sort this nonsense out. Um, if it was the New York Giants, then the Mara family would step in and speak to their franchise quarterback and say, listen, let's fix this. If it was Dallas, you would have Jerry Jones trying to sort it out and locate the situation. That is not the case here. Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. He is, as I've said many times, he's probably the most talented quarterback of the last 20 years, perhaps with the exception of Mahomes. And yet he's also a bit of a different character. And he's decided that he doesn't like Brian Gutekunst. And Brian Gutekunst is the general manager. And Brian Gutekunst is the most powerful man in Green Bay. So ultimately it comes down to, do you think that it's worthwhile firing Brian Gutekunst? and keep him Aaron Rodgers, or do you let Aaron Rodgers go? Or do you try and placate the situation by offering a new contract, which they've done, or doing a good draft, which I think they've done. And incidentally, the last two drafts have resulted in Green Bay going to the NFC Championship the last two years. 
So I don't think he's doing a particularly bad job, the GM, apart from maybe drafting Jordan Love last year, which is obviously yeah, I mean, annoyed. If, if you, Rogers, if, if you draft, so, if you draft my replacement, I'm probably going to not like you as a human well, being. <laughs> yeah, and but look, let's go back 13 years, this or 14 years. This is exactly what happened with Brett Favre, and Green Bay worked differently to any other franchise. The players play, the coach coaches, the general manager manages the place and hires and fires people. And Brett Favre took Green Bay to the NFC Championship game, but they had already decided that they were moving on from him. He then retired and then decided he wasn't retiring and it was all messy and he left. And of course, we all know what happened. He went to the Vikings, he took them to the championship game, um, probably should take them to the Super Bowl. And Rodgers came in. And it looks like we could have a situation again, which is, you know, which is going to repeat this. The sad thing for me is that Green Bay are one step away from the, from the Super Bowl and they've drafted really well and they've drafted players that they need in positions they need. And yet he has decided, even though he's under contract, let's not forget he's still in a contract for two years, that there's something there that's, that's biting him. Is it because he wants to host X Factor? Is it because he wants to, I don't know, become a movie star? He can go and do what the hell he likes. But you, if you're a Green Bay fan, and let's be honest, fans in sport don't matter anymore. And I think we've seen that over the last month. You've got to decide, do you care about the long-term future of your franchise or do you want Rodgers to come back and potentially lead you to another Super Bowl next year or the year after? If he was 26 years old, I would be saying to the, the hierarchy, they need to sort this out and give him whatever he wants. He's not. He's 38. I say if he wants to retire, let him. Okay, here's a good here's a good hypothetical question for you though. Everyone, all, the all three of you guys, and I'll I'll answer this as well. You have to put your house on the line in a bet on the Packers winning a Super Bowl in one of two scenarios: with Aaron Rodgers next year or the year after, or with Jordan Love in the five years following that. What are you putting your What are you putting your house on? Oh, it's Rogers. I'd say it's. You would say it's Rogers, but you can't build your franchise around a 37, 38 year old who, on a whim, might decide he wants to go off and host the Oscars or might want to become the first man on Mars. I mean, the man is clearly different. He's extremely intelligent, fancies himself as a TV host. Let him do it. I think he, the problem for him is now this all came out before the draft and you're now after the draft. Where's he going to go? He's either going to retire or he's going to go to Denver. Yeah, great. Good luck with that. Or potentially the Raiders, who are a basket case of a franchise, let's be honest. Denver would be fun, though. Denver like, would be very entertaining. Mahomes twice a year. And they've got but very. Does he want to go weapons. to the AFC? The AFC is loaded with quarterbacks. It's absolutely stacked. I think if you're Rodgers and you want to win a Super Bowl, you stay in the NFC. And oh, he wants to go to San Francisco. Well, that's not going to happen now, is it? So ultimately, he's got to decide what does he actually want. He's not going to get that much of a better situation than the situation he's in in Green Bay. He's got the best wide receiver in football. He's got one of the best running backs in football. He has a defense which has improved year after year and has just drafted a replacement for Kevin King, which is the greatest news ever. <laughs> and he's got a decent offensive line. 
with the, probably the best left tackle in football. So what is he wanting here? I mean, is he, does he want to get the general manager fired? If he wants to get the general manager fired, he's going to have to go to the go back to Green Bay and start going around the town, getting all those shareholders to vote for it. Because it's not going to happen. And you can't say that Brian Gudikins has not done a good job in the last two, three years as a general manager. He has brought in Zedarius Smith. He brought in Adrian Amos. They drafted Jair Alexander. They drafted Darnell Savage. They've done a good job in building a roster around Rodgers, which is what he didn't have when Mike McCarthy was there. And he still wants more. Is it because he's pissed off? If it's because he's got a gripe, get over yourself, man. Seriously. And I've... I worship the ground he walks on as a player, but he is prime ball bag material now, Cameron. I'm, I, and that's fair. I just want to touch on one thing. One thing, the, the escalation from hosting a TV show to going into space was quite something. Um, and I look forward <laughs> to him joining a space program purely for the From Jeopardy to Mercury uh, headlines that will definitely follow that one. Forget Mars, he's going further than that. Magnificent. Did, to be honest, Cameron, there's more atmosphere in space than there is at the Oscars. So I think that's, that's probably a good thing. Let, let's look at the conspiracy theory then that Denver is the, the ground that he's going to be going to. They passed on Justin Fields. They passed on Mac Jones. Why would they do that when they've got Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater? Now, unless they're, they think they're going to stink it up and get a high pick, even higher pick next year. I had Justin Fields falling to them at nine and my whole mock draft fell apart when these chancers didn't take him at nine. And I can't understand why they didn't take a chance on Justin Fields unless they've got a plan B and that plan B is Rogers. That's all the conspiracy theory stuff. Does it work when you go somewhere else? Well, Rogers has been in this situation. He was, you know, Brett Favre's nemesis. He's been there. He's seen this. He should be able to handle this with a bit more class than he has been doing. Jordan Luff shouldn't be a threat to him. I don't think they should have drafted him. I thought that was a dumb idea last year, um, well, especially, I, when they, especially when they knew it was going to hack him off. Now, you either get him in the room and tell him what you're doing, you don't really want him to find it out on national TV. It's not a great look. Yes, you're spot on. And apparently, this has come out in the last week, that Matt LaFleur didn't even know that they were going to draft Jordan Love. So if that's the case, then that stinks it up even more. This is why, I mean, Gudekunst is running the show in there. You cannot argue with the job he's doing. And Gordon says it on this podcast time and time again. If there's a quarterback there you like, you take him. The, the criticism last year was they moved up for Jordan Love. Mm. And Jordan Love was hyped a year ago coming into the draft. The way in which Trey Lance is being hyped now as this project who's got amazing physical talent, he could turn out to be an absolute superstar. We don't know that. But we didn't know that with Aaron Rodgers, and he fell to 24th, and look what's happened since. So I am not going to criticise the Green Bay Packers for drafting a quarterback who is young, potentially brilliant, and has had a year sitting on the sidelines watching one of the the all-time greats. The communication line of network is clearly abysmal. And do you know what? We see that in sports franchises all the time, so nothing surprises me. The thing for me is that Rodgers, as you nailed it there, Paul, should be showing a little bit more nouse and savvy about his reputation. He's going to potentially go down the same route that Favre did, and he's going to tarnish his legacy here, and I don't think he needs to. And he's in such a good place. He's mm-hmm. got all the weapons around him. Why would you do it? 
Is he wanting because he wants more money? If it's as simple as that, then the game's a bogey. If it's just about money, I, I don't. I, think I don't think it's. I don't. Don't think it's about money in any way, shape, or form. I think at that level, it's about ego. And I think, I think the other thing is that the whole, the whole philosophy of what you can do as an old quarterback has changed. Brady has completely ripped up the book that he can go to another franchise and win a Super Bowl. And maybe Rodgers does see that as an opportunity. Does he think he's going to get a better shot at winning the Super Bowl in Denver than Green Bay? Well, if you go up against Mahomes twice a year, I think he's living in cloud cuckoo land if that's the case. But you know what? I sat and thought about it. And I am happy. I, I've gone through the seven stages of grief. I am quite content now. If he goes, he goes. If he stays, brilliant. You can't get hung up on one human being. No, you're absolutely right. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. My take on this is it's exceptional. I think this is mega simplistic on Roger's part. I think this is because, and it's because of the timing of it all. I think this is nothing more than a play by Rodgers to try and get the front office at Green Bay to back him. And I think that what he wants out of this was either a big wide receiver in the first round, which he didn't get, but cornerback was a more pressing need, right? Absolutely. So he didn't get it. I think what he'll want now is he'll want Green Bay to go and get someone for him, to give him an additional weapon that shows that they are absolutely 100% legit at getting him a Super Bowl. Because he's not interested in Jordan Love getting a Super Bowl. He wants one. And I know you say he doesn't need a wide receiver. You don't need a wide receiver. But you can't They can't rely on Devante Adams. This this was, rewind to our free agency podcast, and this is why I told you I hated the Aaron Jones deal, is because they could have, in an Aaron Rodgers small Super Bowl, Bowl window, gone and got Will Fuller as that wide receiver too. The Packers, though also know they need a wide receiver based on what the GM came out and said, is that the player they wanted to fall to them last year was Jefferson, I think it was, or one of the wide receivers. And then there was another wide receiver that he'd wanted to go and get. And then somehow that snowballed into trading up and getting Jordan Love, which just, I don't know how that (laughs) comment comes out because it makes no sense. And it makes no sense when they had the best offense in the league. And the reason that they didn't go to the Super Bowl was because their cornerback got burned with 10 seconds to go in the f- first half. It wasn't because they didn't score enough points. Well, and it's not because he's not got an all-star wide receiver core to, f- to throw to. It's uh, te- ego. He's an absolute massive egotist. Technically, That's basically well, what it is. Technically, it is they because they didn't score enough points because they could have gone for it at the end no, of the game and went for the field goal. No, it's got nothing but, to know. do with the receiver. <laughs> Listen, they've, dr- they've drafted a receiver in the third round who apparently is a clone of Randall Cobb. So he's- if that can't keep him happy, I don't know what will. Ultimately, this is about one guy letting his own inflated sense of who I am as a human run wild. Did you see the number of tweets and Instagram posts he put out when he was hosting Jeopardy? Unbelievable. This is, is a guy that goes around like and he goes and talks about his local community and he's like, oh, I've been giving loads of money to Chico, California because they've been suffering in the pandemic. Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Go and do that. Go and host Jeopardy. Go and, you know, go to the Kentucky Derby and wear a stupid cowboy hat. But your day job <laughs> you is win wearing? the Super Bowl for Green Bay. Remember who's paying your wages. Yeah. Interesting point. So let, let, let's talk about quarterback situations because, and this is why I'm jumping in. Cameron, you were scared about the number three pick. Did the Niners get it right? So, did they get it right? I don't know because this is a project quarterback. 
a project quarterback with a massive upside. Absolutely. You know, his numbers in 2019 are tremendous. Uh, fine, a smaller school, opposition, not quite the standard that Justin Fields was playing against. But, you know, you look at the tape, you look at what he was capable of. It's an exciting prospect. Um, I don't know how much of the stories are true. There's all this chat about that they were comfortable with one or two. They took their time to review and they what have you. They were comfortable with five. Yeah. Not one or two, five. five. But I, I just think that's all noise to try and... I genuinely think that's noise to just try and keep people off the scent on it. Um, I think I that it was... Hmm? Go I have a question. What's the difference between San Francisco trading up for Trey Lance and forgetting the fact that Green Bay already had a quarterback... Green Bay trading up for Jordan Love. Nothing. No, nothing at all. I'll tell we you what the difference. also didn't mortgage here's the house. Here's the, the difference. Year. Here's the difference. We don't have Aaron Rodgers. We've yeah, got so Jimmy Garoppolo. Insurance policy. Right? But, like, so this is, a, this is a Mahomes move. And Jimmy G is going to be the, the next Alex Smith. Just for the... Uh, yeah, anyway, that's going to get complicated. So, um, uh, no, no, Cameron, one second. You, you say that this is a project with a great upside. Yes. I'm sorry, you're picking at number three in the draft. It's not a project player you need. I, you know, that is not a place to take a flyer. So I think um, he plays this year, but he doesn't play until much later in the year. I think that this is this is them looking not at next year to win the Super Bowl, but the next two after that, because it's still in the range where that defense is young enough that we don't need to have paid them all. We've still got Nick Bosa and his Trey Lance starts week one. No, I don't. I don't think so at all. Unless he does. unless Jimmy's injured, I don't think there's any chance that Jimmy G is not on that roster by mid July. Where's he going to go? Like, so if the Patriots hadn't taken Mac Jones, then I think that Jimmy G might have had a chance at going back to New England. I don't know where he's going to go. Does he go? To, does he go to Denver? Nice try, Charles. Denver. Like just, Denver. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Green, Green Bay, if they're looking for someone. Well, I mean, there's maybe some big rotation there, but I, I genuinely, I don't think Trey Lance starts. I genuinely think the fact that he didn't play last year, I think that they need to take time to bed him into that. If he does start, it's going to be an all-run game, um, and I think that you know there's a there's a risk there that you put him in at the deep end and he struggles. Uh, and we've just had a year of kind of dealing with a load of crap like that. We're getting everybody back fit. I think that Jimmy starts. I think that Trey will come in and feature, and I think they will build up to it. I think that it's Shanahan's looked at what Mahomes has done at Kansas City, and that's exactly what he's tried to go and get. Uh, and I think that, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs took Mahomes. Really, they didn't trade up necessarily for him, but they went and got Mahomes early in, uh, in that draft and parked him, and that's what they did. So I think it's a project... I think it's a project. I also have said repeatedly that because we've trashed Mac Jones so much and because he's ended up at the Patriots, I now fully expect him to go on and be Brady 2.0. And forget all the topless pictures and all that crap, you know. I think that he'll probably go on and be a really good quarterback. And there'll be a conversation at some point in the future going, oh, the Niners moved up to three, gave away the house, and they passed on Max Jones for Trey Lance. Right, because that's what happens in these things. Um, I, I love... I love the fact that they didn't take Mac Jones. I I would have taken Justin Fields instead, but Trey Lance, I think, physically offers something that allows us to see like what the evolution of the Shanahan offense is. Because we've seen it with the Mac Jones type quarterback, the Matt Ryans, the Kirk Cousins that, you know, shows you this. RG3 in his rookie season was like before the knee injury and before he probably got too scared to be like a, a proper NFL quarterback because of the knee injury. That showed you like how a Shanahan offense can completely open up even further with an athlete at quarterback. And not only so the difference between Trey Lance and Justin Fields 
in terms of athleticism is less about speed and more about the fact that like Trey Lance can bulldoze over people. Like he's, if you were to compare him to running styles, it's not Lamar Jackson, it's Cam Newton. It's like a big body that's going to be very tough to bring down. And the way they build their running scheme where they run a load of outside zone, they're going to fake outside zone, bootleg Trey Lance, you know, off to the side. And you're going to leave safeties one-on-one with this guy who's going to be very tough to bring down. It's a huge gamble because you, how you know his limited experience um, is a significant factor. And I hate how much they gave up to move up that high, mm. especially the way the quarterback board fell because they could have stayed at 12 and they would have got a quarterback. The lack but, of reps is huge, isn't it? Because yeah. there was a stat that said the last tw- 10 Super Bowl winning quarterbacks thrown for 1,200 rep um, throws in college and Trey Lance is thrown for 300. Now, that doesn't matter, you know, in, in a kind of isolated environment, but that doesn't say to me that he's going to be ready to compete for a Super Bowl this year or next year. Now, don't don't say he's a project quarterback because San Francisco are ready to win the Super Bowl now. So why bring in a quarterback that isn't ready to win the Super Bowl now? That's the question for me. Bring I... in a quarterback who can plug in and play straight away, which is why they asked about Rogers' availability because they've got yeah. a roster that can go now. Yes. Why would you then bring in a quarterback who might not be ready for two years? That doesn't strike me as very common sense. So I think that it's not about for two years. I think it's about, I do think it's about next season. And I think that the reason that they can do that now is because the key players on defense are young enough that we don't have to pay them all yet. Nick Bosa is going to demand a massive contract in a couple of years' times. So we've got two or three years to maximize that put together a winning team and 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 thrive on on the back of that. That's where yeah and you're right though because if Aaron Rodgers is available, of course I would I would rather I would rather have Aaron Rodgers than Trey Lance in a in a win now mentality because going back to Gordon's question and if you give me the same deal Trey Lance to win a Super Bowl in the next five or Aaron Rodgers to win one in the next two at the Niners if he's there right now, I'm still taking the Aaron Rodgers bet. Okay, flip flip that though. Trey Lance in the next five or Jimmy Garoppolo in the next two. Trey Lance in because the next my, five. Yeah, that, that so that's where this because and that's why they had to go up. It's not like they had an Aaron Rodgers. They got to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo, but that was hitting all the fine margins that a Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, Joe Flacco, Nick Nick Foles, you can win a Super Bowl with a marginal quarterback. You can get to a Super Bowl with a marginal quarterback. However, everything has to go right. And the reason why you go and you make that gamble is because you've seen what the Chiefs have done. You've seen what the Ravens have done over the last few years, at least in the regular season. You've seen what the Browns have been able to do now. Like Getting that quarterback on a rookie deal allows you to build a, a huge roster around them. And it, it just gives you a, a bigger window. The, the window they had with Jimmy Garoppolo was narrow and their their like landing point to to stick the landing was slim going and doing this gives them the opportunity to you know extend that window quite a bit i think it's an interesting point jim ballard made last week on the podcast is there is no substitute for reps and a guy who hasn't played in a year you know has taken you know two three hundred less reps in college is a problem for him. You know, it will take a little bit of time to get up to speed. I'm not sure that the Niners have made the right decision. I mean, like with with everything, time will tell. I mean, for every Patrick Mahomes, there's a Ryan Leaf, you know, kicking about there or or Jamarius Russell. So you you just can never tell. Some people come in with the, you know, the reasoning and the hype and ready to go and are absolute busts. So 
I mean, we won't know for a year or two, that's for sure. Yep, and I mean, you look at the other players. So, Mac Jones had 556 attempts um, when he was at college. So, fine, more experience, but not an absolute bucket of it. Um, Justin Fields, obviously, is a, a, a an exceptional talent. And I, th- I will come on to this, but I think the Bears have absolutely done the right thing, played a blinder. Um, his attempts at college, though, 618. So, they're not... These aren't... It's not like there was a quarterback there that was so bereft of talent. Uh, sorry, so bereft. So deep in experience um, that you could plug and play right away. And I think that unless you're absolutely desperate for QB, so Justin Fields will start week one, right? Trevor Lawrence, of course, Zach Wilson, we know. Uh, I, I, Mac Jones, I'm not even sure, starts week one. I'm not sure that no, the Patriots start him. And I'm, I don't think Trey Lance does either. I think that they are looking to, right... How do we get them in? How do we start to plug them into these positions? And and you can see even by the fact I think that the Niners went and got a guard with a second pick. So went and got um, Aaron Banks out of Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame. Um, but the you know he he's a run blocker. He's a big run blocker. The analysis on the night was like they're a little bit surprised. He's not your typical Shanahan scheme uh, offensive lineman, but he's there because Trey Lance is a running quarterback, and that's what they're gearing up to be able to deal with. Um, never, I never thought I would say this on this podcast, but the Chicago Bears made a sensible move. <laughs> they did. Let's Fields, talk. I think he looks the part. I think, and it actually will provide a little p- bit of pizzazz in the NFC North, and it makes them a less dumb franchise than they have been for the last, well, I don't know, five or six years. I think it's a great move to sign him, and I cannot believe that he didn't go higher than that. Yes. Can I can I ask you a question then on on the number two pick who's Zach Wilson? Out of all of them, he's the most likely starter. Over under ten wins in his first three seasons if he makes it that far. Yeah, I think they will. Over, over. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like what they've done there actually because they've um you know they've not they've obviously got a lot of draft capital having traded away Jamal Adams and you look at you look at the coach. It starts with the coach. Starts with changing of the culture. And they've drafted a you know they've drafted a running back and they've drafted a wide receiver to help him and they've drafted a guard. The first four picks are all offensive picks, and they've clearly got a plan. They're going to give him a fresh start, get him in there. They're clearly not going to win the NFC, the AFC East this year. But I think anyone to suggest that that they're going to you know they're they're not going to go anywhere under Robert Salah. And with, I think it's um, the other Lafleur brother who's the offensive coordinator there. They're clearly um, th- there's a plan in play. There's, they've been completely scattergun in their approach in recent times, and they've got some good young players there now. So there's no reason why they can't go and you know I think they could they, they could perhaps win win more than the Patriots this year because the Patriots have gone nuts in free agency, but free agency is so hit and miss. So there's nothing to stop the Jets maybe winning six, five or six, seven games this year. I, I, I think if you look at the quarterbacks in this draft as perhaps counterintuitive as it might be to say based on overall talent level, if you look at where the other four quarterbacks landed, you'd pro- I would probably take the field versus Trevor Lawrence because... Trey Lance has gone to the best situation that any quarterback could go to. Mac Jones has gone to the best head coach in NFL history. Justin Fields has actually gone to a pretty okay situation in Green Bay with some good wide receivers. 
the Jets, I think, have the potential to, you know, kind of build on some stuff. They've got some talent on offense. Robert Sal is a, a a big fiery coach to come in there and move things along. The Jaguars took Trevor Lawrence and being the worst team in the NFL last year on merit, then had a second first round pick and took a running back. <laughs> like that's that that straight away is not like it's not setting yourself up for future success. So you know, you've got a coach who was a college coach his entire career and we're now going to try and, you know, make sure he becomes the next Andrew Luck, which is what we were told, you know, Trevor Lawrence can be. He's in potentially by far the worst situation of those quarterbacks. So he has to be the quarterback they have sold him as. It's not like Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, the other guys can probably be 70% of their potential and still be pretty solid NFL quarterbacks. If Trevor Lawrence is only 70%, I think that's going to be a tough situation. Yeah, uh, I I kind of agree with this one. And do you know what? I looked at, and we're definitely getting into the, the draft chat now, but I got shared a graphic that somebody's pulled together, and it's basically an average grade from 18 evaluations um, who has been compiled by a guy, Rennie Bugner, who, let's tag him on this, at RNBWCV. Now, he might be a dick on Twitter, and if he is, I apologise, because I've not looked at his Twitter account. What I've seen is... <laughs> he could be graphic. a fine, upstanding gentleman as well. So his Mr. work Hobbs. is so, fine and upstanding. So do you know what? I apologise, Rennie, if if I've got you wrong there. I'm, <laughs> that's just my caveat, right? Okay. Because you just never know. It's a bit of a punt. I haven't looked, and I've just realised that, as I say. But he's pulled together a really really good graphic, um, which details out the average grade over 18 different uh, analysts from 18 different locations. Coming top of the pile with a grade, with an overall score, um, a, a GPA of 3.99. I don't know how he's calculated this, but anyway, top of the pile, basically, the who everyone thinks has done the best is the Chicago Bears. Um, you work down, and the Jets are in fourth on the list. And I think that it is... They've gone out and they've... Having had a strategy of focusing on defense for so long, they're focusing on their offense. They've got a quarterback, a guard, a wide receiver, and a running back. All positions in need. And then clearly they need a safety because three out of the next four picks were safeties. So, you know, there's um, problems there in the secondary that they're trying to address. It is the new head coach. It is a fresh start. This is an opportunity for every single person in that facility to win their place and show that the New York Jets are not the laughing stock of the NFL. Uh, and they've gone and got who they think is the best quarterback. Now, he's got massive upside. Um, he looked like a, some of the, the stuff on social media of him just looking panicked um, and things like that. Very funny. I mean, he definitely looks like he's out of his you're, comfort zone. You're, and, you're, talk, you're talking about the gang signs one, aren't you? I am talking about the gang signs. Oh, the gang signs is just... <laughs> Hilarious. One of the most incredible things I've seen. And he, he just, just he looks, looks like, like a child. Himself, yeah. <laughs> he, he does look like a choir boy. Let's yes. be honest. Uh, and he, do you know what I mean? He's obviously. The, head, the headband is a bit much, though, I've got to say. <laughs> it's a bit BYU. He's going to channel his inner Baker Mayfield, and it doesn't really wash for me. <laughs> Baker Mayfield is infinitely more scary than the Mormon boy, I yes. And obviously, BYU. So, yeah, let's. let's yeah. So. Interesting to see how he adapts to deepest, darkest New Jersey, New Jersey. Um, you know, it's a long way from home. So, uh, you better not get lost in the taxi on the way back to the flat. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, and do you know what? The Jags, I, the, the, the grading on this has them about ninth overall. Yeah, the running back pick. You're just like, what? Come on. There, there seemed to be an awful lot of chat as well about uh, Urban Meyer going and getting guys that were really highly rated coming out of high school, not necessarily just on their uh, college careers, which sticks like a sore thumb of a college coach, right? So can that transition and translate into a great NFL team? Time will tell. Um, but I think that, you know, we've heard so much about Trevor Lawrence that all the eyes are going to be on him. Uh, week one, we know that game is going to be primetime in some shape or form, whoever the Jags are playing. Uh, and people will be tuning in to watch it. So be interesting to see how he does under that. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 back to your question. Over under 10, I'm going to take the over as well. I'm going to take the over. Um, one of the things that we did is we reached out to people on Twitter and we asked for their thoughts. Uh, we wanted to hear who you, your team was and whether or not you were happy with the draft, uh, what your general thoughts were. So let's let's share a couple of those before we start going into some of the other stories. Matt Farnham, uh, Rams stuck to their strategy, ride or die, they only listen to their scouts and go on what they've seen Ill on film. Uh, Johnny Bailey, happy with the Steelers draft, addressing a few key positions, Excellent. including Excellent. the no, next Saquon Barkley. <laughs> We, we need we need to cut in here because because Johnny tweeted me twice o- over this and he does he absolutely loves this draft. Every other AFC North franchise loved the Steelers draft for a team who needed offensive line help, who have a quarterback who is old and barely made it through last season before they just absolutely collapsed. What they felt they needed to put them over the top and keep that Super Bowl window open was a running back in round one and a tight end who, coming out of high school, I think ran like a 4.9-something 40-yard dash. Just, it, it was, and it might work out perfectly fine for them, but from a from a genuine stat- strategy perspective, it's terrible. Like, it's not, I, it's not what you do to be successful. I, I, the only thing I would say to that is that the Steelers have a history of being consistent as a franchise. Yep. And drafting people who plug in and consistently deliver year after year. So as much as we are ripping them, and you in particular, and there's good reason for it, but, you know, this this is, you're talking about a system which has actually been proven to be successful. So that's what they needed. I mean, I'm playing, I'm sort of playing devil's advocate here just to try and annoy you, but... Um, <laughs> You can't I, annoy I, me I over this because I loved it. It, it was. It's the old argument: should you draft a running back in the first round? No, oh. you draft a running back in the second round, even though you don't need a running back. Don't. <laughs> Just like drafting a wide receiver to be a blocker, which is what the Ravens do. <laughs> right, right, we'll come back to this. We'll come back to this because we're not, <laughs> we're coming back to this. I'm going to continue with the tweets for now. Andrew Neal, Dallas Cowboys feels functional, unflashy, and a little disappointing, but they have certainly looked at addressing the defense and the trade down with the Eagles was good but would have been happier to get what the Giants got from the Bears. Granted. Yeah, Jer- yeah. Jerry Jones did a great job of ignoring everything and picking who he wanted. You know, the best bit about the Cowboys is, um, so they obviously they, they, they traded down because they wanted the cornerbacks, I think, and they didn't get them. And then they, they, they draft Micah Parsons. And then you see all these high fives and fist pumps in the draft room. Like, this is the greatest pick they've ever made. And they're clearly pissed off because they haven't got a cornerback. And then in the second round, the pick that they were going to take got taken, I think, the pick before. And again, there's the high-fiving and they're, they're fist-pumping and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just such a Dallas, Texas thing to do. 
because you know they're trying to put this show on that everything's okay and we know what we're doing and clearly they had to not add effing clue so it's also as well like for the so me and paul were on like a uh uk cowboys draftathon thing which their content by the way was really good 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 for them putting a whole day of content well done boys and it was for it was raising money for the nhs it was incredible and so we were on for um kind of 10 minutes or so and i said about the draft this feels like a draft that the cowboys like no matter what happens it's going to fall the right way for them because the way it was all set up loads of offensive players like of all the scenarios and all the different ways that draft could have gone two cornerbacks going in the top nine picks probably only happens in like 10% of the possibilities of that draft. And it's the it's the one scenario that could have thrown the Cowboys off, and it's exactly what happened. JC Horn or Patrick Sertain at 10, they're absolutely fine. Michael Parsons, I think, is fine, but I, I don't love taking a linebacker that early, and they didn't get a lot by moving back. Yeah, I mean, the, the, their average is coming out about a C-minus, C um, and I think they are disappointed. I mean, you go through all this planning and scenario planning, and I think you're right, Gordon. I don't think they thought that both would go. I thought they thought they would at least get one of them at that pick. And it doesn't really matter what you do in rounds five, six, or seven. Everybody talks about rounds one and two. Nika Parsons, great player, but did they really need another linebacker? I'm not convinced. So in this um, aggregated view, it's got the Cowboys in at 27th. Um, one of our teams finished lower than that. I'll come back to who that is in just a minute. Um, the Moving on through the reads, Catch22 says, looking closer at the Jags, I think they've won a watch with the undrafted free agent, Dylan Moses. If he can stay healthy, that's a steal. Overall, I think the Jags have smashed this draft. They need a tight end on a trade, maybe Ertz, but we could be in good shape going forward. Uh, Denny Ford comes on to reply to that to say Moses and Wilson going undrafted major shocks must be huge health concerns. Denny Ford himself gives a solid A to the New York Giants. The Giants trade back in round one when we lost out in Smith, uh, which was genius to still come away with Tony, a cracking weapon. Smith looked like he wanted to phone the Samaritans. Round two, trade back and still get Aziz Ojulari. Yeah, I had to take a moment just to get it right. Round three, trade up to get it right up Philly. More depth at corner, other, another good player in Robinson. Day three, got good developmental edge rusher, some special team guys. Big story is uh, come out this year, come out this weird year with major assets for the 2022 stacked year and still improve our roster. That, that's, one, that's one of my favourite stories coming out of the draft. And it's a shame Jamie's not here on this, but... Dave Gettleman never trades down. Just just doesn't do it. Going into this draft, it never traded down. And what the Giants draft, I'm going to from now on refer to as, is accidental analytics. Because what, <laughs> what Dave Gettleman did in this draft was what... So going into the draft, people said, there's going to be some general managers who are going to say, oh, because of COVID, we can't scout the same. Our scouting process isn't as good. Therefore, you know, we, we're going to get more picks for following years. And that's not something that's really based on fact, like the best and very much inverted commas drafters in the NFL hit on like 25 to 30% of their picks. So the smart thing to do is just accept that you're only going to hit in 25 to 30% pick as many picks as possible. So Dave Gettleman wanting to have next year where he has more knowledge on these players has accidentally given himself 
three more chances at hitting. So he's it's accidental analytics at its absolute finest. Yep. And we will get Jamie on to talk about this at some point for sure, because uh, genuinely think the Giants did very well. Staying in the division, though, uh, and actually we've we've had comments from every team in the NFC East, but Washington football team, uh, Ian Brown says, I'm almost as uninterested in the picks as the process. Obviously, a head coach-led first-round pick. The defense looks set and scary, building the O-line via trade, and the second round addressed obvious need. If Fitzmagic can be Fitzmagic, then we should be above 500. Leo McCall to complete the division. As an Eagles fan, I'm mixed happy with getting Smith. Not so much about giving Dallas an extra pick. Didn't think we'd pick an O-line man that early as we have more pressing needs and considering his health issues, still not too keen on the pick. Again, need a defensive tackle, but thought we had more pressing needs. However, from what I've heard, he could be a beast. Day three, some depth players uh, who, after reading about, sound decent enough. Really think we missed out on a good few pairs at positions of need, however. Uh, I'll keep going, right? Damage, Inc., Glass, Vegas, Raider. Every pick's a gamble, but quite happy with what the Raiders did. Filled positions that were lacking as replacing older players with youth. All about the coaching and the players' desire now. Feel a good season coming. Sean Black, take a moment here. Congratulations, Sean, who's been appointed to our head of content on the NFL Scotland website. Uh, Sean's been doing an absolutely tremendous job over there of leading the guys. We've got a great team of uh, Scottish writers that are producing content. They did a whole bunch of stuff before the draft. They've done a bunch of stuff afterwards as well, and there's more content coming up. Sean has been appointed head of content. We're delighted to put him in that position. So once again, congratulations, Sean. He's come on to say, though, his charger is very good. Great first two picks. Wide receiver Palmer in the third was maybe a little early. Added some good uh, special team players surprise no safety though a um, couple more comments before we go on Dave simply says Panthers smashed it uh, Michael McLeod says hopefully massively improved on last season's woeful D as a Titans fan and then the last one um, Kenny Stewart I think the Packers had a great draft addressing all the main positions of need and at decent value on the whole I'm choosing to ignore the elephant in the room for the moment. The one thing that we didn't touch on was the name of that wide receiver. As Catch-22 has come back to say, huge Clemson <laughs> fan here, you've struck gold with Amari Rogers. He's an unreal talent. We talked about ego. There's nothing more egotistical than A. Rogers throwing to A. Rogers and A. Rogers right. to A. Rogers scoring a Super Bowl touchdown, right? That's surely an ego move. Oh. oh. Sorry. Well, I, that's Aaron on the phone there. That was a bit of Marley, was it not? <laughs> Ran earlier. <laughs> I was I was actually just going to Instagram because apparently Devontae Adams has tweeted now has posted now a picture of a goat. And uh yeah, mm. my phone. You think noise. he might be saying give him a new contract? Oh hang on, they've already offered him one and he turned it down. Why how have we got back to this? Again? Right. Yes indeed, how have we got back to this? I, I just think it's great that you'll be able to wear a A Rogers jersey. And still forever. have any Rogers forever. <laughs> forever. So I, th- I think that, number that, twelve. Yeah, might, just just yeah. give him number twelve. Just, just that would keep that would with... really mess with people because you know how obviously all the numbers can change um, this yeah. year, and it's a free for all. Imagine if um, the current number twelve decides he's going to retire, and the new A Rogers takes the number twelve jersey. That'll just mess with people's minds. Uh, does Does Rogers have to put his full name now on his jersey? Um, can he stay with Rogers? No, he can just stay as Rogers. He can. Right. Okay. Yeah, because there was Richard Rogers, of course, as well. Oh, yeah, so good Rogers point. has thrown touchdown passes to Rogers before. Good point. Good this point. is not a new phenomenon. I do, indeed, indeed. So can we, um, regardless of, and I do agree with that final tweeter, I think that the Green Bay draft was actually very, very good, despite all this um, 
circus that's going on in the background. The, there was a couple of teams I wanted to talk about. Um, and when we get around to doing our Super Bowl picks, I've always liked to do a trendy Super Bowl pick rather than the, oh, it's going to be the Saints, it's going to be the Chiefs. Oh, how boring. Um, I'm going to throw one out there right now. Here we are sitting in April. Cleveland Browns, very tasty draft. Um, and you do look at the way that they've built the roster over three, four years. They're now in the zone. They are in the window. And they've got a cornerback who can play opposite Denzel Ward. I think by all accounts, reading the the writers, the, the guy that the, the linebacker they drafted in the second round um, should have gone in the top 15 in the entire draft, uh, Awusu Koromoa. And then they've in the third round, they've selected the fastest player in American college sport. So... They've now got everything. There's no excuse. The only problem for Cleveland now, in my mind, is if Odell Beckham Jr. just starts just doing his egotistical nonsense and stealing the headlines and distracting them. Because Baker Mayfield's the, the problem, surely. Uh, yeah. Imagine Mayfield, Mayfield was good in the second Mayfield half. Was good. Mayfield, Mayfield can if he if he plays the way he did in the second half of the season. I don't think I think he's now matured into someone who can lead that that whole um, franchise to the next level. And, you know, they, they, they came close to knocking off Kansas City. And they're now, you've got to say that they're one of the top three or four franchises in the AFC. So they've got to look at this as their window now. It's, it is wide open. The Chargers, I think they did pretty well as well. And they've got Herbert and, and an offense that looks pretty good. And, they, and I've touched on the Bears. And the Bears are now, you've got to say, are a viable threat to not, you know, they were in the playoffs and they've upgraded on that dud of a quarterback they had so if Justin Fields is everything that people think he's going to be then why can't they make a, a push for the you know go deep into the postseason so there are teams who have historically been awful who are now finally getting their houses in order yeah I think it's interesting I think there's two things one if when the Browns go on the road if the opposing fans don't take cardboard cutouts of UFOs along and wave them at Baker Mayfield. We are missing something. So hopefully they'll do that. The second thing is, the other team that quite impressed me were the Minnesota Vikings. They traded back. They got some picks and still basically got Christian Danisaw, who who they were apparently wanting as their first pick anyway. I think they've had a pretty good draft overall, the Vikings. I've uh, been quite impressed by the way they've picked up players. Danishaw and Davis should start. They've got Jones and Twyman. You know, they'll, they'll come in there. I think just looking at it, they've got a really good draft class there. And bearing in mind that last year they had a whole pile of new players that they reckon would be difficult to bed in in a COVID year. I think, you know, if, you, if you're looking for a trendy pick, the Vikings might be worth a little look as well. Kirk Cousins though, in it? Kirk Cousins. Hey, He's not winning hey, a Super Bowl. Well, he could, he could do. I mean, I mean, Gordon said it. It's fun, it's, sometimes it's about functionality. You don't have to be flash. It can be functional quarterbacks that can win Super Bowls. So, you know, they've knows? just they've just drafted Kirk Cousins' replacement, though, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I don't yeah, think he's throwing his toys out the pram. Yeah, yeah. I get so, uh, Kellen so Mond. You, will Kellen Mond play this year? No, he won't no. play this year. But Project. you're saying he won't throw the toys out toys out the pram. RG three was talking today, and he said that. Like Kirk Cousins will not be happy. Doesn't like the idea of cutting. Obviously, you know they've got their history because they were drafted in the same draft. I think I think Charles' point about the the Browns is spot on. They've got like they are like the analytics darling of the NFL because like that's where they've been building for the last like five years. But they've got 
Um, I don't know if this came from Sashi Brown, who was the Moneyball guy, or if this is from Andrew Berry, who's now the general manager. But they have like guardrails that they put in place for who they draft. And it's very rare. I think they drafted a player this year who was under six foot. And it's like the first guy they've drafted under six foot. They, they draft guys who are plus athletes. They prioritize key positions. So um, the linebacker they drafted in the second round, the reason why he fell out around one is because he doesn't necessarily have a clear position in the NFL. He's probably like a, some somewhere between a linebacker and like a, a safety or like a dime linebacker, but is a, a ridiculous athlete. Yeah, dime, dime backer. Backer. There you go. <laughs> so I, I'd like I I really like what the Browns have done, and that's why in in the AFC North, as much as the Steelers have been a like a powerhouse in the NFL for decades, I'm not going to say I worry because that would be just an absolute blatant lie. Because I hope it happens, <laughs> but I I do I'll use the word worry because I can't think of a better word just now. Worry that they're going to be left behind like the if you look at the last 20 years the Ravens and Steelers are very similar you know consistently in the playoff hunt you know competed for Super Bowls like the Steelers won two three in that span the Ravens have won two since 2000 but the Steelers no longer are necessarily doing the smart things the Ravens in this draft drafted guys that that relative athletic score were all apart from one player like 9.4 and above the NFL is drastically changing. The Browns are moving with that. The Ravens are moving with that. The Steelers really aren't. And I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they finished fourth in that division this year. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's definitely so, interesting. So, the one th- so I still- we're talking. Sorry. sorry, Cameron. If we're talking dodgy drafts, let's get on to the Saints so I can get it out of the way. Well, just before um, we do it, just before we do it, I want to do one thing with Charles because I still think like Baker Mayfield's a problem, right? Uh, I still think Baker Mayfield's the reason that they wouldn't get further. So, and you look at the salary cap that the that the Browns still have, and I'm looking for teams that could potentially make a trade for Rodgers. Imagine oh, the Browns. Imagine nah. the Browns. Right here, here's the offer: Baker, Odell, and a first next year, and a second next year for Rodgers. Do you take it? No, they won't take it. The, Br- the Browns would offer. Are you in, no, they you wouldn't. wouldn't but... They would not. No team with any semblance of sense would take Odell Beckham in a trade. No chance. Not a chance. He's an absolute troublemaker. You wouldn't touch him with a barge pole. I think let's have this final discussion until something actually happens. What would you, what would any team have to offer for Aaron Rodgers? And this is from a Packers perspective. You're talking three first round picks plus the quarterback who's there. They won't. They won't take anything else. They might not take anything else, but I don't think he's worth that. Like if we, no, I don't think he's worth that either. But they won't take anything else, and he's under contract two, for two firsts. If Denver, if Denver came forward and offered the one next year and the one the year after, the Packers would accept that. I don't think they would. Because I think, the, I think two, two one gets two it done. First for for a, a guy who's going to potentially win you the Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. Two, two firsts for a guy who went to Seattle for two firsts for a guy who, if you don't trade him, is going to be announcing jeopardy. Well, he's already <laughs> doing that anyway. <laughs> He's already doing that. Anyway. I don't. I, I. I genuinely don't think that. I think if it was any other franchise, I think that there would be scope for that to happen because it's the Packers and because of the way they do their business. I don't think they'll consider it. I think they'll just stick their ground. This is going to run and run. I could see him retiring. I could see him retiring. 
So anyway, let's possible. please. Yes, let's move on. So we, we, we'll all come back to them because I think they had a good draft, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. And I'll let Charles and you have the final word on that one, right? In this aggregated view, uh, I, once again, I feel bad now. Rennie Bugner, go and check him out at RNBWCV. I, I think he's a cracking lad. He's pulled together some brilliant content here. Oh, it's a guy. Watch this. It'll be women. I'll shot myself twice in the foot. Um, but. Ultimately, uh, out of the aggregated view, the Baltimore Ravens finished seventh overall. The San Francisco 49ers, 16th. Then I mentioned the Cowboys were 27th. Off us on this podcast, one of the teams finished 26th, one place above the Cowboys, and one team finished 28th, one place below the Cowboys. The team that drafted and was overall graded 26th was the Green Bay Packers. The team that did it 28th was the New Orleans Saints. So, Paul, what the hell were they doing? Were they throwing darts at a dartboard? Uh, I think somebody had been in a couple of clubs in the French Quarter catching these dodgy little footballs <laughs> that they throw off balconies to entice you into certain places that, of course, we didn't go. No. Um, obviously. But, it, you know what? You know, you, you look at it and, yeah, if you've, you've got a low first-round pick, you're not expecting a superstar, but I wasn't expecting Patrick Turner either. Um, it's just I've, as well because you didn't get him. You got Peyton. <laughs> what? You don't even know your own picks. It was Peyton Turner, not Patrick. I call him Patrick. Everybody does. Come on, <laughs> stay with us, Cameron. Come on, you're getting way out of <laughs> way out of things here. So, I have a question. Why it, did they like, draft, why did they draft a quarterback when you've already got an amazing quarterback in Taysom Hill and Jameis, of course. <laughs> Thank you, thank you very much. Um, yeah, sorry, my, I, I was looking because I'm, I'm flicking through. DraftKings actually have got his name wrong, Patrick Turner. It's Payton Turner, obviously. I don't know. I mean, they they needed a lot of help in various areas, and I don't think that they went. You know, I, I really don't. I mean, Pete Werner's a decent linebacker. We're struggling for a good linebacker. That's fine. Uh, Paulson Adebo is decent, but why Ian Bukit? You know, round four, I, I don't get that at all. Uh, I don't think it's a particularly good draft. I'm not particularly happy uh, with the way they've drafted. Um, I would look to, to Gordon to either to confirm or deny that I'm right here, but I don't like what I've seen from the Saints at all. Pretty dreadful, if I'm being brutally honest. Like yeah. the, the, so, so what I will say, the Peyton Turner pick... Um, I don't think is that bad. It was probably a reach by maybe 20 or 30 picks, but someone else very possibly... That's a reach. But but I can see the potential with him there. The Ian Book pick in the fourth round is a far bigger reach than than Peyton Turner in the first. I just just don't think he's good. And you don't need... Like, there are other teams. Me and Cameron disagreed on whether or not the Texans taking a quarterback in the third round was a good idea or not. Like, the Saints don't have a need at quarterback. They've got their experiments there. They don't need another experiment at quarterback. So to spend a fourth-round pick there is just bizarre. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do you think that perhaps they have, and I, I quote, he is an undersized quarterback who has toughness and competitive nature. It's Drew Brees. To... to Oh yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. It sounds like they're looking for the reincarnation of a certain quarterback who retired about a month ago. They saw him playing a shiny gold helmet and went, "That'll do." He's a short arse with a gold helmet. Bring him in; he'll win Perfect. us a Super Bowl. <laughs> that worked. Now you're all having a go at Ian 
Ian Book or Patrick Book, as I like to call him. <laughs> <laughs> because he's Notre Dame, that's what he goes by. Not a fourth round. Now, if they picked him in the fifth round, sixth round, yeah, okay. No, I, I just think, I don't, in, in Gordon, Gordon Point of Alwyn, I think they have reached on Turner. I don't like reaches in the first round. I think you've got a hit with your first round pick. And I don't think that's a hit in positions that we needed players. I, I don't like it. I may be proved wrong, uh, but it just further upsets me. I mean, as you know, I don't want Jameis Winston anywhere near my quarterback position with the Saints. And this just upsets me more that we've not done anything in the draft. So the only consolation is we're not the Raiders um, who seem to have possibly the worst draft of all. They do seem to like Alabama players um, and yeah, it, that does look strange. I presume on your aggregated draft, uh, Cameron, that they are bottom? Nope. Raiders no. aren't at the bottom. The Raiders are... Uh, I'm trying to see them on the list. 29th. One position below the Saints. See, see if you swapped round the Raiders' first two picks. Yeah, they would be getting... Widely praised. Yeah, yeah. Like... It's weird. I, I, and it's the second it's the second time they've done that. They had a draft two years ago, I think it mm. was, under Mayock. And I think it was something like if you took all their picks and reversed from like the fourth round to the first round and did it in that order, people would be like, This is one of the greatest drafts of all time. So <laughs> Yeah, Mayock perspective. Mayock goes for who he wants and Mayock doesn't care about the perception of a mock draft or anything like that. He, he's not caring about grading. He grades I love and the, he picks. The Raiders, the Raiders tweeted out something like after the first day about like we don't care what draft experts say um, about drafting Alex Leatherwood. I mean, you literally hired a draft expert to be your general manager, so you do <laughs> care what draft experts have to say. The, yeah, he, he was he was the biggest reach in the first round. I don't yeah. think there was much much doubt about that. Yeah. No, that on on aggregate, the lowest scoring teams were third bottom in 30th place underneath the Raiders, uh, the, the LA Rams, then in 31st, the Seattle Seahawks, and outright bottom, the Houston Texans. They and just well, didn't have picks. Like, yeah. yeah, Seattle had three picks. picks. Yeah. So, so, so if you take them out of it, really, uh, the Saints and the Raiders were the worst two. Because, yeah, and it was funny, I think I, I messaged you guys this to say that uh, NFL.com had done a, a, a round one grading um, and the the Seattle Seahawks, who had had no pick, had a higher grade than the New Orleans Saints, which I just thought was magnificent. Like that's a that's that's a special level of suckage to to achieve that. <laughs> anyway, it tickled me somewhat. It tickled me somewhat. Um, the the conversation about the Texans. Uh, I think that that's one that we probably save for another time because I think there's some depth there, and there's more to that story that obviously involves Deshaun Watson. We don't know what's happening there yet, but. It was a significant breaking story, uh, as big as the um, the Rogers one, in, in, in a sense that, without being said, that feels like the Texans clearly have moved on from Deshaun Watson. Which, given everything that's going on, can you blame them? Probably I, not. But see, I don't, I don't think it is that they've moved. Like it's a third round pick. It's not like the Vikings haven't moved on from Kirk. Cousins, but it was their but... first pick, right? Forget the round. It was their first no, opportunity but... to get a player, and they went for a quarterback. No, but that's yeah. You need the context no. there. <laughs> the you context. If you if you don't pick until the sixth pick, sixth round in the draft, we don't go. Oh, this is the their key. They did not have a marquee draft pick. They were never having a marquee draft. So 
the the Texans are a team, and if you look at the players they've signed this off season, like they are not set up for success next year. No. They had an even bizarre moment. They traded up for Nico Collins, the wide receiver from Michigan, but they traded up well before they were on the clock. So they moved up while someone else was on the clock to about ten picks further back. And then they moved up again. So I don't know if they moved up and got scared or what. But they just gave up more picks to go and get up when you know that roster is absolutely loaded with holes. I don't I don't rate Davis Mills at all. I don't blame them for going quarterback though, because there is a very real prospect. Not that Deshaun Watson has played his last down with the Houston Texans and he's going to be traded, but there's a there there is a there is a possibility that Deshaun Watson just doesn't play. Mm-hmm. Like the, there's very serious allegations there that might mean that he just he's done in the NFL, and everything that's happened there, his trade value right now is non-existent. There's no one out there that's going to trade for him just now because you don't know what you're getting. So the Texans are in a really tough position, even a tougher position than the Packers are in with Rodgers because you can get something for Rodgers just now, and you have a quarterback there already. So the Texans are in a position whereby, let's say that Deshaun Watson isn't tradable and doesn't play in the next year, the next two years or whatever. Let, let's say it's the worst case scenario from a football Texans perspective. At that point, you do need to take some dartboard throws at quarterback. So take a shot at Davis Mills this year, play him eight games. You know, if he's good, you might pick fifth overall next year. If he's not good, then you're probably picking first. So the question for the question for me with Houston is what assets have they got left? Tunsil. And that's about it. Willie Merciless? That's about it. There, I can't think of anyone else that's there. And based T- on Tunsil arguably is, is part of the reason why they're they in got mess. into so much he trouble. Is, he yeah. is the reason that they're in this mess, apart from Bob, um, who obviously got binned. Um, I, you do wonder whether or not, um, if there's a team that needs a left tackle, actually they might cash in on Tunsil and grab a few more picks for next year. But you can't see Houston being competitive for at least three years. Let's, let's Watson, take him out of the equation. You can't see them being competitive as a franchise for maybe two to three years. And they're going to be picking, they're going to be like, like the New York Jets have been the last two or three years. And what they need to do now is probably put in place some kind of structure that emulates what the Jets and the, before them, the Browns did. Because the Browns were number one pick two out of three years, weren't they? Yeah, and then one of them they traded back, and the other one they had the number one pick and the number four pick. That, I mean, that's the that's the um, scenario for the Texans is they finish with the first overall pick this upcoming year, they trade out of that, they move down to ten, and they pick up a one and or the following year or one the two following years, but the Houston Texans over under win total set by Las Vegas is three point five, and this is the first season when we're playing seventeen games, like that in a seventeen game season. Vegas is saying we don't really trust that they win four games. Yeah. And so I think the thing for me with this, right, and, and this is where it comes back to the Mills pick and the Collins pick. How You go to PFF's ranking at O-lines last season, right? The Texans come in at 23rd. They've got Tunsil, but the rest of that O-line is bum. It's not a good O-line. And then you look at the picks that went almost immediately after they picked Mills, and the Falcons and the Panthers both picked up offensive linemen. So there's offensive linemen on the board, decent enough to be going around that range. For me, Davis Mills comes in, right? And and you've got Tyrod Taylor there. So fine, you need a backup quarterback. You put a rookie in that situation behind a really bang, 
like a really poor offensive line, you're not even going to see the best of him. Are you actually going to learn anything about him as a player behind that O-line with that lack of talent on the team? Is that fair to Davis Mills? I, for me, I just cannot understand why they didn't. If you're rebuilding, you start your lines and you give those offensive lines a year to learn because it doesn't matter what quarterback's playing behind them. That offensive line has to merge together and learn to play together. You give them that experience on the field together over 17 games, so at least it's a damn sight better, hopefully, than it is right now. Then you can go and plug in a quarterback behind it. Um and you can start to add the pieces around. But right now, what you've then got to do is go back next year and try and get some rookies who can be your offensive line. Or you go to free agency and try and figure them out. But it's not like they've got a massive money there because it's all been splurged. And they've not got a great amount of picks because they've all been given away. And it's just like, go and tackle the biggest number one problem. And the number one problem that's going to give you the foundation for success, which is that offensive line. Defensive line, possibly as well. JJ Watts just left your building. You've just I mean, lost... The Texans' The Texans' biggest game. problem right now is that they, they don't know who's playing quarterback for them, though. Like, regardless of the But you've got Tyrod Taylor. Like, is Mills going to start before Taylor? No no one no. has ever said in a positive way, we've got Tyrod no, Taylor. No, no, I get it. <laughs> but I like, I like Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. He's a perfectly serviceable NFL quarterback. No one is building a Super Bowl winning roster. With I, right. I agree, but it's not about winning the Super Bowl. So this is it. You're going to stink this year. So put that offensive line in front of an experienced quarterback that can direct them and give them some direction and say, guys, this is what I need you to do. You fucked up, but I'm experienced enough to get out of it. Rather than put a rookie into that situation who doesn't know how to get out of it. And when that line leaks, he gets pumped. So you're knackering your line, you're knackering your quarterback, you're not making any progress. You just write off the season and you progress. And it's just, it's short-termism, it's naive, I just, oh, it's a shambles. They deserve all the disdain that they get. I just think it's a mess. Nico Collins looks like a great wide receiver. I'd have been quite happy to have him in San Francisco, but it's got to be a waste. What's he going to do in Texas for the next two years? Nothing. So so, so what's what's easier to pick up then? In you know, when once the draft is over, is it easier to get a better wide receiver or better offensive lineman? I mean that that's the question you've got to ask yourself. They took Mills, they then took Collins, they then took a tight end. You know, a they blocking took a tight end at least. Tackle. It's a blocking yeah, well, tight end at the very least. So at least yeah. I was like, Do you know what? I, I'm not I'm I'm more okay with that. Fine, you're gonna get a tight end. At least get one that's better at the block than he is at catching. Fine. Yeah, okay, he's a blocker, but what's easier to pick up, a serviceable wide receiver or a serviceable offensive lineman? Now, if the answer is it's easier to get a, a good offensive lineman, then that's fine. They've done okay taking Collins. If the answer it isn't, then they should have, they should have gone with offensive line. I, th- I think they are. They're, they're not setting themselves up for success because I don't think success is going to come their way, but I don't think they're setting themselves up to protect either of their quarterbacks. There's, there's still a few linemen out there who, you know, got released and uh, I, I, I don't know. I, there's I a think few quarterbacks out there. Nick Mullins well, is there. there. But, like, but, Nick Mullins isn't going to win you anything. But we've he's... said it here a hundred times. You have to you have to take swings on quarterbacks. I don't think you can take enough swings on quarterbacks. This, look, Tom Brady got drafted in the sixth round. Look what happened to him. This Ian Book or Ian Bookshelf or whatever his face is. Um, Patrick, Patrick Book. Sorry, the, sec- the second coming of Drew Brees. He might yep. be, he might be in a, you know, an NFL legend in years to come. We just don't know. I don't think you can not take a risk on a quarterback if you like what you see with him. So but, it's also like a ten-minute debate on the Texans' third-round draft pick. I know, just, I know, I know. I'm just. <laughs> well, I love, didn't get to come to that Texans to episode. I missed out, this right? Is, 
this this is me defending the Texans, which I never do. I know. Well, there you go. It's one of those nights you've defended the Texans. I'm praising the, the Chicago Bears. So we've we've all had a little bit of an update on how we've thought. Gordon, what about the Ravens? You happy with the dealing? Um, obviously, and I, have we discussed the bet? I don't think we have. Let's let's start with the context, right? There's been a burger bet agreed on the WhatsApp group. So, gentlemen, you've done it between yourselves. You can you can pitch this. So, the bet is, and this came off of the back. In fact, I think it might have been on the podcast we had it, but let's confirm it. Charles has bet me that Aaron Jones will have more. Rushing, yeah, cumulative rushing and receiving yards than the Ravens' wide receivers will have. Rushing and receiving, cumulative yards versus total wide receiver room yards. Receiving yards or receiving Receiving. yards. Okay, fine. The, The the fundamental point of this bet is the fact that what the Baltimore Ravens, as Gordon well knows, are set up to run the ball and are not set up as Gordon would like. For Lamar Jackson to spray five thousand yards of passes around. That's not that's not how it won, but <laughs> receivers are gonna have In more his yards fever than dream. Jones does. So Greg Roman's that, fever dream. That, that's that's what that's what the bet is. So the Ravens draft, and I don't even need to end up being a homer when I say I love the Ravens first round because two days before the day of the draft, I tweeted out so the Mike Renner, who's PFF's senior draft analyst. In his final mock draft, he had Rashad Bateman at 27 and who was then Jason Oway at 31. And I tweeted it out and I said, this should be every Ravens fan's dream scenario for how this draft goes down. And that's exactly how it how it came out. And I, I love, there is no guarantee that Rashad Bateman pans out as a wide receiver. He was the fifth wide receiver taken. You can make the case that he should have gone before Tony you probably wouldn't have taken him before any of the other three. So he was, you know, in that conversation as like a mid to late first round pick. But what the Ravens lack at wide receiver is a player who goes up and wins and extends the catch point. For as great as Lamar Jackson is, I will not avoid criticizing him at all. He has a tendency, if he misses, to miss a little bit high. And in previous playoff losses, the loss against the the Titans two years ago, they started off with an interception because there was a pass that was a little bit high, got tipped up and got picked off. Rashad Bateman's the type of player who goes up, even at six foot, goes up high and wins those balls and does the same things that Anquan Bolden did when the Ravens won a Super Bowl. So stuff like that, I think, I think is great. And then the 31st overall pick, who he's going by his official name now instead of his middle name, and it's not Patrick, it's um, Ofade Owe, who's from Penn State, who didn't have a sack in his um, senior season or his final season at Penn State, but is like a 99th percentile athlete. And if you're picking 31st overall in the draft, you can get a player who like runs a 4-3-6 at edge defender, um, has like a 100th percentile broad jump, all those things, and put him into a defense that Wink Martindale has been very good at moving pass rushers around and finding success with them. Right now, he's like 20 to 1 to be defensive rookie of the year. And I think that's probably good value. Let's be honest, Cameron. The key number in all of this burger betting is 1,729. Because that is how many yards Baltimore Ravens receivers made last year when catching the ball. And Aaron Jones was about 100 yards off that. 
and he missed three games. So, and there's an extra game this year as well. So an extra game for... I mean, it's not an extra game for the Packers and not for the Ravens. That's why. Listen, <laughs> 17th game as well. It's, uh, you know, it's an extra, there's an extra game there where, um, especially, listen, let's say the worst case scenario goes and Mr. Jeopardy leaves. Um, they're going to be leaning on Aaron Jones throughout the entire season. So he might have to run 2,000 yards for them to even get close to the NFC Championship game. So I don't know. I think this is a fair bet. I've given him a bit of a rope here. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, the first rope burger. Um, well, there you go. Um, so I think, yeah, I think the Ravens have done some good work here. I think uh, you can see that in the gradings. Like, Bateman looks like a, a really interesting wide receiver. Excited to see what he's all about. Um, I, I, th- I think it's interesting. That's It feels like right now it's between the Ravens and I can't believe I'm writing them off, but I'm going to write them off because you told me they were rubbish, uh, Gordon. Uh, but it's between the Ravens and the Browns in this division. Uh, I don't think the Bengals... The Bengals need to fix their O-line still. That's still my worry as well there. Like, I get Jamar Chase. I absolutely, totally get that pick because, good grief, that's a connection that's well worth reinvigorating between those two. Uh, but Burroughs needs protected. If you ain't going to protect him, he's not going to last very long in the NFL. So that's well, got this, to be the worry. This comes back to, are there more offensive linemen that you can pick up that can plug in as opposed to skill players? But the other thing, and I said this a few months ago offensive line play in the nfl now is as much about scheme as about talent and if the bengals actually have an offensive line coach like the cleveland browns do who have completely transformed their offensive line they've got the best offensive line in football it's as much about scheme as anything else you see it with shanahan the whole time it's about moving players around if they protect borough then that's one thing but if you've got the right scheme then you can get away with it. But this theory that Burrow is not going to be able to get the ball to Jamar Chase because he's going to be sitting on his backside, I think it's very easy to say that. I, you know, yeah. got to, you, if you're if you're if you're a team placing the Bengals, you're now you're now thinking, well, actually, we can't rush. You know, we can't maybe rush as extra, as many players as we wanted to because they've got three legitimate home run threats. The other the other thing with the offensive line as well is that so you add Jamar Chase to that offense. And it takes their wide receivers and it elevates them to another level. Let's assume, let's assume that Jamar Chase and Penesul hit what they could be. So you get a Hall of Fame wide receiver on one hand, you get a Hall of Fame tackle on the other. Jamar Chase massively elevates their wide receivers as good as they already were. Penesul going into that offensive line. We've just talked about the Houston Texans who have Laramie Tunsil, who's a top ten left tackle in the NFL. The rest of the offensive line is not good. So if the Bengals draft Pene Sewell, all of a sudden that offensive line is not fixed. So they went and they took um, Jackson Carmen, I think it was, in the second round. They traded down and picked up an extra pick. They've picked up Riley Reef this offseason. Like, you can go and you can attack that in a way that if you can get your offensive line back to something average and not have a huge weak link in it, that's more important than going and getting a Hall of Fame left tackle. The Browns are a good example of this for years. Yep. Joe Thomas was their anchor. He's a Hall of Famer. And the Browns had a revolving door at quarterback and revolving doors in the wide receiver department. And Joe Thomas is standing there. He's the best player on the pitch by a country mile. And he can't do anything about it. He's a left tackle and he's blocking. I mean, he could block for, for days, but the ball wasn't going anywhere. 
So if you've got a receiver like Chase, and if he is a transcendent player like Calvin Johnson was, which is the way he's been compared, then why not? So the, the first thing that I could find, and this doesn't really help us, because it's an article from 2015. So um, I need to go and maybe go do some more digging into this. But, uh, well, I definitely do, because this article is nearly 10 years old. But uh, it's got bust rates among the first round picks with a 10-year sample rate. Um, this was taken in 2015, so this is from 2005 to 2015. Um, running backs, the highest bust rate of all first round picks. Of the 30 drafted, 12 were busts. Uh, defensive line of the 73 drafted, 29 were busts, 39.7%. Goes all the way through. Wide receivers are third in that list. Of the 40 drafted, 14 were busts, 35%. The bottom three positions, offensive tackle, 33 drafted, two busts, 6.1%. Uh, guards, eight drafted, zero busts, 0%. Centers, six drafted, zero busts, 0%. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, though. So if you look at, like, especially the further back you go, back in a world where not just PFF, but other people weren't properly analysing offensive lines, if you were drafted in the first round, you were almost definitely going to a Pro Bowl in your second season. Didn't matter how good you were. People just accepted. I don't know much about the offensive line. He was drafted in the first round. He's good. The Bucks had a player, Davin Joseph, who just went to Pro Bowl after Pro Bowl. He was not a good guard, but he was drafted in the first round, so they keep going. So there's a bit of a there's a bit of a self fulfilling prophecy with the you know offensive linemen go in the first round. They're not bust because they start for five years. Like the the Raiders took Robert Gallery, I remember, at second overall, and he was this can't miss Hall of Fame tackle. And he had like a 10-year career, but his 10-year career was mainly spent at left guard. So if you're being accurate in terms of what you were drafted for, he's probably a bust. Not, it's not classed as a bust because you had a perfectly successful career. So the the kind of what you say is a bust and isn't varies position to position. And offensive line and defensive interior defensive line have like the widest margin to not be considered a bust. And it's definitely interesting. You look at some analysis on NFL.com coming into this. Wide receiver was the deepest talent position coming into this draft. Offensive tackle was the second. Um, Quarterbacks were seventh, and that's where the Texans went. But anyway, we've talked about that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, okay. Um, Any other... We've not really talked about the Bears, though. We have, but we haven't. Do we need to touch more on the Bears? Are they are they the new kings of the North? I've given them credit. Can Fine. we just move on? Right, okay. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They're not the new kings of the North yet. No. Um, I really like the fact that they traded up for Justin Fields. Um, they've made a lot of not great moves in recent years. Like they, they released Charles Leno left tackle tonight because they drafted Tevin Jenkins. So they're going to now move Tevin Jenkins from right tackle to left tackle. So a rookie quarterback and an inexperienced offensive line, Dave Gettleman might be sitting there with a top 10 pick from the Bears next year. It's a shame Jamie's not on this podcast because the, the, Gi- the Giants are my sleeper Super Bowl bet in the NFC. And what? I, can't, I cannot... Oh. Look, so... So oh, you look at- hold on, hold hold on. That should be the perfect way, in line of duty style, to stop the podcast. <laughs> and, we'll pe- 
pick that up next time because I'm, yes. I'm concerned that we are going going on a bit. I think that's a great place to start, and I think we can talk about the bears as well a little bit. Yes, you're going to have to you're going to have to um, cut and paste this. So, what's the date? Third of May. The sleeper pick for the Super Bowl, the New York Giants. The Giants. I'm I'm telling you, I'll I'll wait for the next podcast and I'll. Yeah. No spoiler. So H, I'll H my way. I don't want to spoil it by giving away any. any... <laughs> yeah. Um, the two minute warning was blown. Uh, it's been denied. This one's coming back to you after the break. Um, that's a full time whistle for episode 145 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Make sure that you share your thoughts on this and every episode by following us on Twitter at Scotland NFL and by searching for NFL Scotland on Facebook. Indeed, check out our website as well, NFL Scotland, full of great things, including NFL Scotland merchandise that you can pick up. My thanks to Charles for taking all the good spirit as we've tried to trade away his idol. My thanks to Gordon as well, to Cameron too. And until the next time, we'll be back soon with lots more reaction. Thanks for listening to the NFL Scotland podcast. Bye for now. say i've been on now i've looked at his twitter account brilliant content on there make sure you give him a follow uh so absolutely you know all four people that go and do the effort to do this stuff but there's some brilliant stuff in there so he's gone and done some stuff about compiling all the records for the 32 nfl teams this century sorted from best season to worst and all kinds of things so at rnb wcv brilliant content give him a follow